Hello, welcome to PSR, People Speaking Rail. Uh, we are those people. I'm Mike Bowden-Distel, Head of Intermodal Solutions here at Freight Waves. I'm joined by, with my colleague, uh, Joanna Marsh, who does the writing on the website about uh, railroads. Uh, Joanna, how are, how are you today? Well, pretty good, Mike. How are you doing? Doing well. Rainy day here in uh, Dallas, but that's okay. Oh, well, um, I'm sorry. It's, it's bright and sunny here, so <laughs> in Washington, D.C., so... Uh, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, you know, it's not too bad. Uh, didn't have much to do of the day other than listen to all these earnings calls, which um, you know, fortunate Ooh, not to have to write yes. those up like I, I used to at my previous job. But I know you've been busy uh, following Union Pacific very closely. A lot has come out there. And today, um, you know, we'll talk about Union Pacific's earnings. Uh, as we record this, it was today. They report on Tuesday. Um, and then you wrote interesting articles on their uh, continued service issues, we'll go into that, and then the you know, potential pilot they had with one-man crews, all those things I think are very timely, all, all really right related to Union Pacific. And then we can talk a little bit about GATX, a big uh, leasing company. They also reported Tuesday, I think they had some important uh, points about the rail car leasing business. So we'll talk about those things, but I think the, the first you know, topic is um, you know, Union Pacific. I'm sure you listened to the, the earnings call Today, it uh, looks like shares are down a little bit um, in today's trading, about 2.5%. have a stock chart on, on, on that if you want to see how they perform relative to the um, you know, S&P. Uh, you sort, sort of see how they, uh, you know, Union Pacific's in black there and, and the S&P's in um, blue. And you can see, you know, Union Pacific sort of underperformed kind of in most of, of 2021. And then the rails, you know, outperformed in, in 2022 a little bit, although they has last several months sort of been trending in line with the S&P. Um, you know, Joanna, what were your big takeaways from uh, Union Pacific's earnings call? Yeah, yeah, there there are several different um, things going on, which is which is pretty interesting. Um, one, just kind of thinking about the the questions that the uh, that the Wall Street investors posed. Um, uh, it was it was interesting to me, like how much of it was. In the, at the beginning, uh, about like how um, Union Pacific expects to to weather um, the the next twelve months, essentially with you know with uh, the economic forecast not looking that great, you know, an anticipated um, U.S. industrial production um, either like flat to lower or if, if not lower, I, I don't quite remember. But you know, so um, and then you have lower imports, and and you have of course inflation um, affecting UP, but also its customers, and. So so um, there was uh, some questions about, you know, how UP expects to, um, you know, manage those headwinds um, in the year. So that was one of the things um, that uh, one of the, the themes I think that that uh, that attracted that 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 garnered um, several questions by investors. Um, and then, of course, you have um, uh, some service related uh, questions um, and uh, yeah, and how you know th those costs will figure in um, uh, into the coming year. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think what's interesting is um, you know it, they they did say they're going to improve the operating ratio year over mm -hmm. year, which is always like too much of in focus from from the investor standpoint. It wasn't real clear to me how they're going to do that with inflation sort of running hot. The you know, volume outlook is sort of lackluster to down in a lot of places. I mean, they said industrial production is down, maybe down a little bit in 2023. At least that's the expectation. I mean, usually rail volumes overall decline when industrial production is down. I mean, they did pick up that business in um, the domestic 
intermodal business from from, from Schneider, but it, it didn't seem to be a year, at least from this initial outlook, where they're going to have a lot of um, you know margin improvement. I think it's going to be tough to 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 do that, and and it might be another year where most of the earnings growth comes from another um, massive uh, share repurchase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... It was it was interesting to hear, you know, the sort of the how, you know, looking at I was just thinking about like how how they're going to to, you know, the, kind of relating to the service issue, um, how how they said that they were working um, with with customers on, on sort of um, improving visibility with um, technology technological tools. They didn't really sort of delve too, too much into which particular tools, although they did mention, I think, um, one of the intermodal products. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, but I, I think like one of the things that they, they kept saying was, um, was, you know, how they expect, you know, of, of course, you know, you always want to put your best spin on things. So, you know, how, um, how they still expect to make meet productivity gains, I guess, you know, with the, 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 the usual argument, which is, you know, if, if you improve service, then, then that, um, then that can, uh, you know, help to reduce costs, even though, um, you know, it, it's still the, the act of, of getting there. So, um, I, I noticed in the, uh, in the, um, under me, it says Union Pacific to run looser on employees, and uh, and I guess that's also another thing that um, that was interesting. So I, I think in the past, um, you know, UP has been asked, you know, how they expect to handle um, a recession because you know traditionally you have um, the railroads kind of furloughing and especially given all that's happened, especially with the, the labor relations still rather tense. Um, a lot of um, railroads have uh, started to sort of pull away from that um, uh, publicly, at least. Um, and it seems that Union Pacific is actually starting to do that as well um, this time around. I think saying, um, you know, saying that they will still have a few employees, you know, they, they will still have employees around even if there's um, just, just, you know, so when uh, demand bounces back, um, that they'll be have that capacity ready. So, and I think that was actually said a few times. Um, I guess, did you catch that as well? Or, um, uh, yeah, what did you, were you able yeah, to Yeah, so it sounds that? like they're going to have some, you know, excess, at least the target is they have some excess of employees in case, you know, the volumes, you know, pick up because if, you know, they can't just, they can't hire as, as quickly as you would like because it takes you know, a number of months to get the people trained. They did say that they had, 1,300 people that had just graduated and another 600 in in training. We have a sonar chart that shows how the railroads in general haven't been able to, to ramp up employment the way that they that they typically um, you know have. I mean, usually they're able to hire the, the workers right back that they put on furlough. But I think the whole industry is starting to rethink, you know, how furloughs take place. Yeah, there, there, there you see it. I mean, usually the, the employment ramps up and down with the the, the volumes, um, you know, employment in, in, in white, their volumes in um, green. And, you know, that was just been a real challenge this this past few months. I think people um, sort of um, reassessed their lives after after COVID and and, and some didn't want to keep doing what, what, what they had been doing. But, you know, the, the fact that they're going to run a little bit looser on crews, like to me, that says that maybe there's a little bit more operating leverage in that business model because some of those costs that, you know, were maybe if they thought of employees as being sort of semi-variable costs, maybe it's now it's more of a fixed a cost. If you have some 
you know, people in, in excess. I mean, it's going to be, uh, um, you know, interesting to see how many of those people churn who they recently graduated, who they, they realize how difficult of a, of a job, um, you know, it is. And, you know, getting back to your comment on service, I mean, I mean certainly if you could, they can run this, the railroad more efficiently, then that would be a path to improving margins, improving service. Um, you know, they have made a lot of big investments. It looks like they're ramping up the, the capital um, expenditures a little bit going from, was it 3.4 billion to 3.6 billion? Um, you know, one of the questions I had uh, for you, you know, you, you wrote this article about um, the, um, you know, service issues that, that, that were, that they've had in December. They blame a lot of this on the winter weather conditions in the upper Midwest, sort of, um, you know, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin. And then you've had these Congress um, men and women write, uh, you know, letter to the Service Transportation Board, you know, asking them to do something ab about this. Almost seemed like they were asking for something similar to, than to the to the service order. There's, there's your article there. Uh, so the con members of Congress were asking for it, what appeared to be kind of a, a service order similar to what the Service Transportation Board did for foster farms. And, and I guess my question is, do you, you know, buy the excuse that the winter weather is what caused this and that was sufficient to have a 14-day embargo followed by another 14-day embargo? Or is that just kind of an excuse for not having the resources in place because it's cold in those states every winter, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the the, the congressional representatives, you know, kind of did make a point that, that you know, there, there has been bad weather before and, and UP has been able to, uh, to, to, um, to manage through that or power through that. I mean, there, I'm sure that, you know, there, there might've been some, um, you know, delays or disruptions, but not to the extent of a, of a 14 day embargo. Um, though I don't know the, 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 um, the, the long history of it. So there, you know, I mean, I, I yeah, but, um, I, I think it's, it's probably still, trying i mean just just my own personal take on it i i think it's it's still trying to 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 get service to to where it needs to be um they did mention that there are some areas um in on their network that that still uh you know that that, that still could see service improvements and so um i'm i don't th i don't think they specified where exactly but um but you know, so it's it's not you know they're 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 still working towards that goal, and they're not really you know at the, you know they they, they haven't kind of gotten past it yet. So it's still trying a it's a still a goal they're trying to reach. Um, so it, it, yeah, so the idea of having a weather related embargo you know isn't too too far afield. Um, and I, I really don't know how um, uh, Chairman Oberman will respond. Um, and, you know, and how long, you know, the embargo will last until. Yeah, I mean, clearly it's going to be an issue that um, STV is going to be watching very closely. And it'll be interesting to see sort of what happens with the embargoes this year after the, you know, exponential increase in, in 2022. Um, and then they pulled back on, you know, the number of embargoes and sort of said, well, we're going to stop that um, current way of doing things until we reassess the current way we're doing things. Um, but then you have this other embargo, which they sort of say is a real embargo that's being used, you know, properly, which, you know, really the embargoes are supposed to, you know, take place when there's some act of God, hurricane, flood, polar vortex. Um, it seems to me it's just kind of an excuse that it's cold in Minnesota in, in December. 
Um, it would be weird if it wasn't cold in Minnesota and uh, Wisconsin and Iowa in, in December. Um, I'll, I'll move on to your other story. I want to get to this is um, you, you, you talked about uh, the you know, Union Pacific. Which, you know, let's talk about, let's say about Union Pacific today. Uh, future of, of Union Pacific program testing one person crews uncertain. So I read this article and it's kind of funny it's because Union Pacific wanted to test one man crews not implement them in their um, you know network, which you know would require negotiation with the um, you know unions because the, the, the union rules prohibit one person crews. You know currently they just want to do a test, and the union said, "No, you can't do a test. We won't let you do. We won't we let you do a test, much less actually run your your operations um, like this." Did I get Did I get that right? Yeah, I, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's, uh, I, I think, you know, there, there's still, I, I, my take on it is that I, I feel like the, the unions have been kind of reinvigorated by, by what's happened in the last several months. And I, I feel like, um, especially with the, the train crew size real, um, proposed rulemaking out now, um, and sort of, you know, President Biden's promise for you know to to ensure that that you know freight train crews um, have more than just one person you know manning the train. Um, you know, I, I think there's just I, I feel like they they have a they they feel like they have a lot of momentum um, going f- forward, and I think. Um, and you know, to be you know, the, the railroads do this too, really. I mean, you know, if if, if there's an issue that they um, feel like they have that momentum going, they're, they're going to keep going with it. So, um, uh, even if it is testing, um, it's interesting. So, actually, the, another thing that they mentioned um, in the uh, in the earnings call today uh, was um, with Eric Geringer, who is the I believe he's the operations um, EVP. Uh, but he was talking about how, um, what was it now? Uh, somewhere in, in Kansas, they're, they're doing a, um, they're working with the unions there to, um, to, to, to try to um, uh, make a more predictable schedule for the, the, the um, craft employees. And so the, I think they're, they're trying to, to see how that goes in terms of, um, I think they, they started it. So it's just, you know, how that goes and, and will those craft will they uh, be able to, to take that, that time off that they're scheduled to have off. And so, um, and they're just kind of seeing how that's going uh, because, you know, again, you have the broader issue of um, for, for the rail industry, which is, you know, how are we going to um, recruit uh, the next generation of railroaders considering, you know, that, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, a considerable amount are, are, are poised to retire. Um, and, uh, and you have, uh, and you just, and then the, the next generation just have a lot of, lots of different options. And, and also, um, within those options, you know, just, uh, I think, I don't know, I can't remember where it was. There was some, gosh, it was one of the, it was one of the, I don't know if it was an earnings, no, it wasn't an earnings call, but someone, Maybe it was. It was. It was Greenbrier, actually. And they were and it was funny because the um, uh, one of the executives there was you know, talking about how, uh, you know, the, the younger generation wants flexibility and they want all these sorts of things now. And so you're kind of good, you know, as a broader industry, you're, you're grappling um, with those uh, those uh, lifestyle arrangements. 
Yeah, that was really entertaining. I, um, you know, I heard that too. That was from Lori Takorius, who's the CEO of, mm-hmm. of Greenbrier. And she said, I can't believe these guys that were that make the, the rail cars, you know, only want to work half a day. It's hard to get someone in there to work a full day. Like what's wrong with people? They can't even work a full day. So there was some frustration expressed, uh, you know, there. So it was, you know, it was always a risk that the, the Greenbrier earnings calls were going to be boring once Bill Furman uh, retired, but maybe we don't have to, to worry about that. Um, but, you know, quickly, my take on the, um, you know, one person cruise versus two person cruise, I don't think we're going to see one person cruise. I think the likelihood is that they're, you know, the, either the unions won't allow it or there will be this federal law that uh, the FRA um, will, will get done uh, preventing, uh, you know, one man crews because, um, you know, their interest is in safety. And I don't know that the rails argument that using the positive train control makes it so you can only have you know one person in a, in a train because really that positive train control is designed to stop a train in the event of a human error. And um, it, it's not supposed to be kind of the typical, um, you know, way to, that, that things operate. It's kind of like the analogy I use is kind of a, a hockey goalie is the, the last line of defense. And it really, that hockey goalie really doesn't do very much if the rest of the team's playing well and the defensemen are playing well and, and, and there are not a lot of shots on goal. So I, I don't think we'll, we'll, we'll see, you know, one, one man crew. So I'll, I'll go out there and, and, and make that prediction for um, 2023 and I'll say beyond for the next, next few years. Um, but do you want to move on? Cause we have about eight minutes left. want to move on to GATX. Did you have a chance to listen to that one as, as well today? To confess, I have not. I'm sorry. I've, I've looked at the release. I'm still kind of, you know, trying to to, to write the Union Pacific one. Um, although I think uh, from, from what I read in the release, they they and of course this is you know press release talk, but but they seem to be pretty upbeat about this year. I guess even you know even given sort of the broader economic headwinds. I, I guess is it because um, you know be you know, sort of that, that sense with among stakeholders in the industry, um, that, that, uh, that there's still, um, demand for rail out there. I mean, even though, you know, and it's, and it's been sort of held back because of service, is that kind of what their, uh, is that kind of what their, their take was? Um, yes, or, a few things. And maybe I should just explain GATX is in case, you know, not everyone in the world knows they're one of the biggest rail car leasing companies. I mean, at least some, you know, locomotives for, for yard, employees but locomotives but primarily their business is leasing rail cars and they do that on multi-year uh, leases and this is a company that you know is based in Chicago they've been doing this for a long for, you know well over 100 years and they um, you know base, basically they're have had a great uh, you know last year you know based on strong demand lease prices rising and they're expecting lease prices to rise again this year so that's the that's a stock chart for GATX in in black and the S and P five hundred and and blue, and you can see from from the start of um, you know twenty twenty two, just there's really been a lot of out, you know outperformance on the part of, of of GATX, and I think one thing that helped them is actually a lot of these service issues, which um, when the railroad is not running productively, you need more rail cars to haul the same amount of freight. It's kind of like what we heard a lot with the Union Pacific embargoes, where Part of the reason that they were embargoing freight at a lot of these um, you know, staging yards was because that there were just too many um, cars going into there on, on the private side. And they were saying, OK, you can't um, you know, use, move any more cars in because we, we have 
you know, it's too many, but if, if there are constraints and other in the, in the network, the sort of the first thing the shippers want to do is, okay, well, I need more cars to, 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 to get that product moved because they're not moving as efficiently. So, um, you know, really, I think what's, what's happening there is that um, there's a limited amount of manufacturing uh, capacity. There's a lot of rail cars that are being retired because rail cars uh, end up uh, being scrapped after either 40 years or sometimes 50 years. There's uh, basically, I th- they have to be taken out after 40 years or they could be like, you know, like refurbished and last another 10. But a lot of those are getting into that age that that they are being, uh, you know, retired. They're, so there is, you know, you know significant, you know, d- demand, um, you know, combined with those inefficiencies. And, you know, rail cars are very specific to the car type that, um, you know, they're being moved in. And so um, as far as what GATX said, they said in, in, in 2023, they expect they expect their LPI, which is their least price index, to be above the 23% they achieved in 2022. Now, their least price index compares the rates on new leases with the rates on expiring leases. And those leases, on average, are about four to six years. And, and so they call it an annual inflation of sort of four or five percent. And they said that... Um, you know, right at the moment, the the lease rates are higher than what is typical for those rail car types. And so what they're trying to do is incentivize customers to have, you know, longer term leases. And, uh, you know, when the lease races rates are relatively high, what they view as being higher than the equilibrium rail car lease rate, they try to lock in those rates for an extended period of time. They feel like they're getting good uh, you know, return on that investment and, um, you know, try to extend it for a period of time. But what they said was different about the rail car leasing market this year versus previous years is just the the lack of volatility in the the manufacturing side of the business. And what seems to be taking place is more of the rail car manufacturers have made a bigger push in recent years to also be leasing companies because the leasing side of the business is much less cyclical than the manufacturing side of the business. So you have these companies that, yes, they care about their the manufacturing you know earnings but they also care about protecting the the lease rates and so they don't want to manufacture so many rail cars in any one or two years that it's going to flood the leasing market and ruin their other business and we've seen you mentioned greenbrier they've expanded their their leasing business i mean trinity industries um is now huge in leasing in addition to you know rail car manufacturing so it's not like a couple of years ago where they would manufacture as many as, as eighty or 85,000 rail cars. Uh, and whereas the average is more like 40, 45,000. Now it seems to be, it's going to be closer to that average of, of 45,000 and, and, and not uh, flood the market. So it does set up, um, you know, I think a pretty good environment for a company like GATX. The other thing that was interesting um, was the comment on interest rates and you know, Bob Lyons, their CEO, said that the, the interest rate, um, you know, higher interest rate environment really hasn't hurt their business as much as you might think, because the investment side of the um, you know, house that, that looks at these uh, real, this as, as an investment in um, it, it's sort of a, as a surrogate to a bond. I mean, you know, rail car can be, you know, it's, you lease it out, you know, it brings a certain amount of income per period of time. So it's in a zero interest rate environment. This is a, is a great hard asset. And you would think there would be more competition for uh, investments that yield, uh, you know, a certain amount over a period of time, more bond-like, uh, you know, applications at a, at a higher, um, you know, rate with a higher interest rates. 
but he says it really hasn't diminished um, you know, the, the, the secondary uh, market. So what that means is they've still been able to sell rail cars at a good price. It's also interesting. They've still been, you know, say they're buying in the secondary market. So it's, it's, you know, they're very good at knowing what a rail car, I mean, I used to follow this company in my previous life, what, what a rail car company, um, you know, should earn in terms of uh, lease income over its life. And they're good at buying rail cars that are cheap and selling rail cars that look expensive based on, you know, the current price in the secondary market and expected future cash flows. So they're kind of like portfolio managers for rail cars um, in a sense. It is a company that is um, a fun one to to follow. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to to covering them and, and, uh, and I guess, you know, the the others will be um, reporting, I think uh, if not next week, then in the coming weeks. So we've still got Trinity out and some other ones. Um, Right. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah, And CN's reporting later today and uh, CSX and um, Norfolk Southern tomorrow. So. Anything on your radar other than earnings uh, right now? Ah, just lots of earnings. <laughs> kind of in the middle okay. of earnings season, trying to get big themes there. Um, but uh, yeah, looking forward to it. It'll be interesting to see too, you know, what sort of uh, common themes weave through all the various class ones. So yeah, looking looking forward to uh, the next several days. Okay, well, that's all the time uh, we had. We'll you know go through those earnings reports. We'll talk about those. Uh, next week, uh, how do folks sign up for the Freight Waves Rail uh, newsletter? Yeah, so um, I have links uh, at the bottom of my story, and I think also um, on the website, you know, there there is uh, some some link to subscribe to not just the Rail newsletter, but to um, all the other Freight Waves newsletters as well, including yours. Okay. So, yeah, great, perfect. So, so go do that. Sign up for as many newsletters as you want, and hope everyone has a great uh, day. Yeah. Take care.